Well, I know, I know nobody really gave you the business when you're in high school at Haltom coach, but when you first got to the college level, when you, when you stepped foot on a college football field, was there somebody that, that kind of, that, that kicked your butt? Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, Braden Funderburg. He was, uh, the running back at the time I had been a starter. I had actually, uh, ran into him a couple of times, uh, for the summer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was in pass hole. I was playing outside linebacker at the time. Uh, I'd seen Crow Flats. They uh, did a running back swing. Um, Jordan Shell was blocking me. I got off, um, which I got off pretty easy. And uh, it wasn't until afterwards that I, that I realized that uh, it was on purpose. Um, he was wanting to see, you know, the the, the, the freshman with the big yeah. mouth. It happened whenever he uh, went head to head with the with the senior running back. And uh, I don't know if you know Brayden Funderburg. Brayden Funderburg's probably. It's probably about five seven on a good day, uh, but about two fifteen. Oh wow! Uh, so, uh, I, I was one of the fastest guys on the team, or whatever. Um, white dude, but me being you know five ten, played at a big school, started at a big school. Uh, at this point in time, I'm thinking that you know it's, it's Division three football. I'm, I'm going to be that guy. Um, and it was it was a chance for me to make a statement, and I gave him everything I got. And he put me on my back, okay? <laughs> Ran me, moved over, uh, scored. Uh, this is in pass hole, and uh, it wasn't the next play. I mean, everybody was into it. It was it was loud and all that. Came by, gave me a hand up, and, and, and basically told me, welcome to Division Three football. It ain't what you think it's going to be. And so uh, respect was definitely earned that day. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was the – my welcome to 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 the next level, uh, and it, it was punishment given out on, on on the first second second day of pads, uh, but like that that first or second week in fall camp, it's crazy. It always feel like I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast We're all the way up to episode number 38 I got a very special guest with me today He came in here lugging a bunch of hardware He's got all these awards that he's been winning In his first year as head powerlifting coach at Robstown Early College High School His girls squad went all the way and became the 2022 for a state powerlifting champions, also earning him the Austin College 2022 Coach of the Year Award. He is also the DC of the football team and assistant athletic director, much like Eric Sean, another former Austin College uh, uh, alum and team player podcast family. All these AC guys is racking up all these titles, man. It's a good Austin College yeah. education. Uh, we're going to, we want you to, uh, but it's my honor that you're here, Coach. Welcome DeAndre Holmes to the show. Appreciate you. Appreciate you for having me. All right, if you're a part of this team player movement, please make sure you've given us a five-star review. We've 
We've got over thir- uh, in the 30s now on Spotify, over 25 on Apple Podcasts. That's great. That helps more people find this show. So it takes 10 seconds. Just click five stars. If you want to leave a written review, that helps as well. And I'll read new ones on the show each week. You can hit the follow button to subscribe and get all the latest episodes in your queue as soon as they come out. We'd be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. Coach, I love your story. That was that was one of the best opening monologue stories that, that you shared because I, I was much like you. I played, at the time it was 5A, but now it's you know, 6A football. I was a first-team all-district player. I, I wasn't big enough to, to get a scholarship at you know, D1 or D2 or anything, but I – you know, D3 was a great fit for me. And I thought, you know, being an all-district player, just like you described, that at the highest levels of high school football in Texas, I could just – I would walk in and immediately become a huge cog on the team. And it was not that easy. You know, it, it certainly was not. So what you described was perfect. I love Funderburg, man. I need to meet him. Maybe get him on the show someday. Well, just, a, he's, a, he's a dog. He's a dog for sure, for sure. Yeah, to have this, this the awareness to help you up and say, "Welcome to Division Three football." It's not what you think. I did. I that's one of the best one-liner, one-line quotes I've heard on the show. But and anyhow, excellent story. Another Austin College alum in, in the studio today. We always have a great time with these. You, but let's let's talk about your background a little bit. You grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and eventually you graduated from Haltom High School, class of 2010, uh, Buffalo's uh, Buffs class of 2010. So just talk about your early life because I know Haltom is northeast of fort worth it's close maybe 15 minutes or so but so you you grew up actually right. in the city of fort worth and later moved to halton yeah. or kind of what was your childhood like so like um i grew up i was, I was born off of uh carmel 4421 carmel avenue which is in eastwood um right. and it's 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 in fort worth inner yeah. city yeah. fort worth yeah um went to uh mostly inner city schools amp david k sellers um dunbar middle I was going to go into Dunbar uh, High School. That's, that's the track that I was on. My mother had graduated from Dunbar. Um, my father had graduated from Dunbar. Um, but essentially, it grew up in the hood. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mother had me, um, was pregnant at 15, had me when she was 16. Um, like a lot of situations, and not asking for pity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, dad wasn't there. So mom's raising me on her own. Um, she ended up having two more kids, so it was three of us total. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what she saw in, in in the inner city, you know, it's, it's getting better, but especially back then, just the opportunities that uh, were given to you in the inner city, it just it wasn't the same as what other districts could have. And sure. so literally moved 20 minutes, uh, like you said, northeast mm-hmm. uh, off of 820, so coming off of uh, living in Eastwood to uh, moving to Wataga. Um, getting the chance to get integrated with uh, Watauga Middle School and then, which is the feeder for Halton High School, totally different atmosphere, totally different vibe. I went from like being one of many black students with yeah. a white teacher to yeah. being one of the few uh, black kids. Cause at the time, you know, when she made the move, it was like, she wanted me to be GT, um, you know, had, had high test scores, but yeah. like it was based off of the school that I was at or whatever the case may be. Right. So I moved out here. I was, I was taking the pre-AP classes, AP classes, whatever the case may be. Um, better school system, uh, more opportunities coming out of BISD. But then there was the challenges of going from many to being one of the few. Um, and not that I was unaware of 
racism or or different atmospheres, but yeah. uh, definitely got that experience at Halton with the, with the different atmospheres and, and the different vibes there. Which if you if those that know like of that area, Halton is is considered the the ghetto school when you compare it to the Richland, Birdville, okay. Keller, Southlake. It's like of the lessons. Definitely not a hood school. Like definitely yeah. a, a great school. Great people. It's all relative, building. right? Yeah, yeah, I got you. For sure. They didn't have metal detectors or, or bar door. Nothing yeah. like that at all. Like, what? Right, I mean, you right. look at it now, it looks like a college campus. But um, uh, very appreciative of, of my mother for taking that chance. I mean, we went from being, like I said, uh, in the inner city where, it, not that we were the higher ups, but we definitely weren't the bottom of the bottoms. And then moving out to that area, taking a chance on that. I mean, a woman with three kids, no college degree on her own, uh, making that move, not for her or or her status, but trying to give her kids a better opportunity. And um, that's what she did. I will be forever grateful for that. I don't think that I'm, without those opportunities, without those experiences, uh, without the, uh, just a different exposure to different, different cultures, different people, um, helped me grow more so than just the school systems, but obviously with the school system and, and being able to, to push my mind, uh, got me through Haltom and then ultimately landed me in Austin College. I mean, you know, Austin College is not yeah. a not yeah. an easy school to sure. to, to go through. Um, that was even a different vibe there. Uh, different, different Austin College people like know how it was when you were there, but I was there. I mean, there's different people from different walks of life, yeah. but I definitely went to school with people that grew up way different than I did and, and then yeah. the same thing vice versa. And so, um, but having that experience at Halterman was able to navigate around different cultures, different people with different opinions, definitely allowed me to do the same uh, pretty much at Austin College. So. Oh, no, coach. I, I love your background, man. And, you know, for, for me, my parents, like I, I did come from a two parent home, but you know, my dad, didn't really go to a four-year college. He ended up just joining, you know, the military out of high school. My mom, I was actually born in Tokyo, Japan. My mom's Japanese. So she left, you know, right. everything behind to come to America. She's the only person in her family to have come here. So she was all alone. It was starting over. And so I, I yeah. can kind of relate to what you're saying of kind of always buying like the the cheapest house in the next better neighborhood, just gradually, incrementally trying to, you know, move your way. Sure. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So move your way up, get your kids in that better school system, the better environment. So I, I, I can relate. And I, I share on this show all the time, the importance of coaches, you know, I, I don't want to assume too much, but I'm sure your mom had a lot on her plate being a single mom, sure. three kids. And sure. you know, for you growing up about that father figure, I'm sure your coaches, and I'll let you speak to this in a second. But I'm sure your coaches kind of filled that void for me. I came from a two parent home, but it was a dysfunctional home. You know, I, I've shared many a times on these episodes, you know, my dad was, an, was abusive. And so I, I would be the kid, you know, hearing these fights downstairs, I'm, you know, I'm praying God, let me fall asleep. So I can get out of this house in the morning, speed to school, or I can be with my coaches and they make me feel good about myself. They make me feel loved. I was looking for that, that father figure, even though I had a, a dad in the house, you know? And so yeah. can you speak to that a little bit? Is Cause this, this, this yeah. that's why I do this podcast for what you're doing now, coach, the, 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 the difference you're making. Can you speak to when you were growing up, the importance that your coaches played and kind of helping you with all that transition you were going through? Right. So like, this was like, uh, it's crazy. I did not know I was going to get into this, but it's yeah. cool. Um, it was a struggle for me um, because all my coaches, um, and I think that, you know, from, from Pee Wee, um, Pee Wee, I had, the, so my first exposure to coaching was in Pee Wee. In Pee Wee, I had Coach Stone. 
Coach Stoney is a uh, is a black man, yeah. and uh, and um, he was the uh, head coach back in Hallmark, which is where I got kind of like my dog mentality, my toughness. Yeah. Okay, he, he definitely uh, he thought I was you know too pretty. I uh, got the nickname Hollywood or whatever, but I got that stern dog like go after things that you want from him, and that was at Pee Wee um, yeah. when we when we when we moved. Um, I still had a year left of doing Pee Wee, and I, I did um, uh, RYA. And at RYA, um, I had two coaches that were white men, and this is more so of how my career had, had went with coaches from that point on. At that point, the coaches I did have had impacts, but there was always um, white males, which is right. a different complex of being a black male, uh, having um, – your coaches who you look up to as father figures, as role models, but them being white males. And it was, it was, it was, it was good people. Um, yeah. You know, coach war when I was in middle school is great. Um, coach Tobert is probably the the guy that I was closest with pre-college. Um, and he was actually the basketball coach at, uh, at Watauga middle. Still talk to him to this day. Great dude. Um, great role model, but I looked at him as more of like a brother it wasn't until I got to Austin College uh, with Coach Dawson and Coach yeah. Wilrick. Um, and, and, and Coach Wilrick. Okay, I remember. Yeah, he he was there when I was there too. I guess he was just beginning at that time. Coach Wilrick. Uh, yeah, Jake Wilrick, right? Blonde. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. My guy. Yeah. Jake works my guy. So he was a defensive backs coach. Yeah. Um, and defensive coordinator. Coach Dawson, my first year, was the head football coach, right. but was the linebacker coach my first year, uh -huh. and so. From my first recruiting visit, um, just felt love from those guys and that leadership and their guidance. And uh, ultimately, after my career was done, staying on to be an assistant coach is where that that brotherhood, that tightness, got even deeper with Coach Dawson and Coach Ward. Just because they put they invested a lot in me, um, and, and I saw that, and uh, I didn't want to disappoint them. I, I wanted them to to feel like that investment that they put in me and my family and taking care of me while I was at Austin College, uh, wrapping their arms around me, showing me that love, but also giving me that that toughness um, and developing my character. I didn't want to be a failed product for that. And so uh, those coaches uh, really molded me into the guy I am today and ultimately motivated me along with another situation to, to become uh, a teacher and a coach uh, myself. And I just think the, the power of me being African-American, being a coach, I could be that father figure role model for those that may have it, but it's, 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 it's tough to uh, come to some people if they don't necessarily know what it feels like to walk in your shoes. Amen. And I just think that me having a, a, an opportunity to do that doesn't, and I'm not saying that just because you're black, you can mentor um, and have mentees that are black kids. What I am saying though, is that if you are uh, an African-American male, you have insight of how to navigate through this world that you can provide for the younger generations, the other coaches who as great as their intentions are, don't know what that navigation is like or that feel. And I, I just think that is powerful. I mean, I feel like I was a lucky one of the kids I grew up with in Fort Worth and even the kids that I graduated with uh, at Halton, you know, and I was a first year uh, college 
student first year uh, in my family to go to college, yeah. first to graduate, college, yeah. so on and so forth. And I, I definitely feel lucky and fortunate that I had enough males and 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 uh, females in my lives that they kept me on the straight and narrow um, to get through what I got through. And it didn't come without hardships or trying times, but definitely having that support system um, that helped my mom whenever you know she wasn't there because of how busy she was. Um, definitely kept me on my path. So coaches are, we say it all the time, but teachers and coaches are heroes. I don't think that our country treats coaches and teachers like they're heroes, um, but they but they definitely are. I mean, you talk about the impact uh, that you have on not just uh, one student, but the, the numerous students that, that coaches and teachers have an impact on. Um, it's life-changing and then becomes life-changing for those others. Like these coaches, what they've done for me changed my life, but then me in the role that I am, the impact that I'm having on the kids that I have, I wouldn't be having that impact if those coaches didn't have that impact on me. So yeah, they had this impact on me being one person, but the impact that I've had on X amount of number of students is also a, an indirect impact that, uh, from those coaches initially. And then who knows about the coaches that they had that came before them that influenced them. And so heroes, uh, for sure, underappreciated, for sure, um, amazing. I mean, you got to tip your hat to anybody that chooses, even in today's uh, age, you know, post-COVID, that uh, continues to choose to, to, to coach and teach, for sure. Oh, and, and Andre, you know, I, I coached for 11 years, and now, you know, I, I have a day job in sales, but I, I, I broadcast high school football and all sports, really, at high school. I do my podcast, and it's it's all for the reasons you describe. I love coaches. Like I, I have, I've always respected and loved my coaches ever since I started playing ball. And I, you know, now that I'm broadcasting and I sometimes see parents in the stands saying crazy stuff, I got, it really bothers me. It truly right. bothers me because they're not, they're not understanding what we're really doing here. They're not, they're not really seeing the true point of what all this is about. You know what I mean? So questioning play calls or, or, or playing time yeah, and all that kind of yeah. over what your actual impact is and, and, and everything that goes on. Oh, for sure. Amen, brother. That's why know, this one, is dope. Yeah. It, well, say that again. I'm sorry. I, I said, I said, that's why this is dope. Like there's definitely yeah, other yeah, people yeah. that do podcasts and things like that. But again, it's like having that insight of actually knowing what it's like, you know, 11 years deep in coaching, which is more than my career is right now. But like <laughs> that's, that's even though we're not coached at the same place or we didn't coach on the same staff, there's just different experiences and, right. and perspectives have as a coach that other people they don't have it's so much deeper than just uh the play calling and while we're all competitors and we all want to win um winning in life is so much more impactful than winning on the scoreboard or whatever the case may be so yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. no and you know a couple of things you said deandre you know you mentioned you brought up race a couple of times and you, you talked about the dynamic yeah. of, of being at haltham and, and kind of being a minority and same at Austin college, you know, be, being like it's numbers wise, you know, maybe feeling a little bit like an outsider or not. I have a unique experience that I'm, I'm biracial, you know, I mean, I'm yeah. half, I'm, I'm half Japanese and I'm half Polish, you know? And so I have that unique ability that I can blend in and I can identify as a white person and feel like a part of that, you know, majority culture. But at the same time, I understand what it feels like to be a minority and so certain, and it's one that you said it perfectly. You'll, you'll, you can never understand unless you're able to walk in someone's shoes. And I'll never be able to walk in an African-American man's shoes. I'll never know exactly what it's like. So I, I lean on my friends, my teammates, my brothers, my, my former players that I, you know, that's what we should be doing is, is just trying to have an open ear and, and listen and understand. And I, I heard you kind of, I really, I was really interested in hearing you describe that because you, br you brought it up a couple of times. So that shows me it was something you were acutely aware of. 
Can you describe for us listening? So whether it's, whether it's coaches listening and they're trying to better the way that they interact with diverse groups of students, or whether it's parents listening or whether it's players listening, and maybe there, maybe there's a player listening that was in your shoes where he feels like a little bit like he, he's, in, he's, he's small in numbers at this school and feels like a little bit of an outsider. What, what advice can you give to navigate all those different circumstances from your experience? Cause obviously you've, you've done it and now you're, now you're an award-winning coach and you're, you're, you're progressing through your, your career. What advice can you give us to, to help with that? I think that, you know, and I'm by no means am I saying that I'm an expert or that, you know, it's, 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 it's the same for everyone, but I think that it is, it is very important for us um, that have these roles for young men and even the young men who are, who are just the young men, they have to understand that this, that whether you want to believe it or not, race is a thing. Sure. And that um, you have to be honest with, 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 with your players and players. You gotta, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm honest. Yeah. Okay? So, what I mean by honesty, and it's not, you don't want pity. You don't give pity. There's, there's no excuse of, oh, I didn't do this because I am black mm-hmm. or I didn't get this because I am black. Like, no, we're not, we're not doing the pity. This is not a, not a, not a, a, a cry for help. It's more of understanding that, when you are in certain situations, it is different. It is it is not the same. My experience at Halton versus being at Dunbar, not the same. Right. There's there's there right. there's there is there is a minority. There 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 is a difference. Um, but understanding that difference uh, is is both. When people talk about race, people want to just look at it in the the bad light. And while there is that dark side of it. Of, you know, um, maybe you don't get as many chances as somebody else. Maybe you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you get judged prior to doing something, which is all true. I'm not here to say that that's not true. But there's also the flip side of it that when you are um, the exception, when you are rare and you show the ability to go above and beyond, there is going to be an appreciation and there's going to be a love given to you because there's not a lot of you. Me yeah. being an African-American coach down here in South Texas, sure. where there's not a lot of African-American coaches, I get uh, a lot more love, a lot more light, a lot more exposure, as opposed to if everybody down here was African-American. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's a two-way go. And I think that we have to be honest with ourselves um, and honest with, with those uh, that are that are that uh, are listening to our perspective, that are listening to our mentorship, is that there is two roles to it. There's there's a side where do you have to work hard? Yeah, everybody has to work hard. Absolutely. Are you going to be uh, given as much rope as someone else? There's 100% a chance it's not. So you 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 you. you but you got to read that and know the situation. But by that same token, when you cross over and become a great student. And it's not just uh, the fact that you're black, but in spite of all the different circumstances that you've gone through, you make it to the other side, the, the reward and the love is, is gonna be there as well. And so, um, and my coaches were honestly, 
some of my coaches were 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 very real to me. They didn't hit me with the um, you know, colorblind, which yeah. you can be colorblind. There's I, I I truly believe there are there are people out here in this world that they don't have a racist bone in their body. They don't see black and white, they just see athletes, which is awesome, like perfect. Yeah. But if you believe that this world that we live in doesn't see black or white or this or that or poor and not poor, have and have nots, you are doing a disservice telling these kids that or, or leading them down this path that none of that stuff matters. It absolutely does, but it shouldn't be to the, don't use it as a crutch, use it as your advantage to, to be able to get that opportunity to stand out and overcome your situations and be given uh, opportunities that other people don't necessarily will get that opportunity. Coach, I love the direction that this conversation is going, and this is great stuff. And I think back to team player podcast alum episode four, Cirillo Ojeda, who's now the head coach at Aldean, where I he, where I was head coach uh, years prior. Now he's taken over my program that you know I love so dearly there at oh. Aldean High School. And he told the story that when he was in high school, and I think it sounds similar to what, what you're, you're describing, there was one Hispanic coach that he ever interacted with his entire time coming up through high school. And it was maybe like a freshman team coach, but it was, it was an all, um, you know, all white coaching staff essentially, you know, and the, and the players were mostly Hispanic, you know, on his team. And it sounds like that was similar for you where, you know, you, you, it sounds like your coaching staff was mostly white and you were aware of that. Maybe you were aware that you right. weren't seeing a lot of coaches that looked like you. We talked about sure. Eric Sean, which I don't know if, do you know Eric Sean by chance? I, he's I at Mesquite. Not. He's, he's a coach at Mesquite now, but he's Korean. He's another Austin college alum, a couple of years younger than me. And um, in his episode, we talked about that, the, the lack of, of Asian American coaches. There's a huge lack right. of that. I mean, more, more so than any other ethnic group, I'd say the Asian Americans right. are least represented. Um, and he, he faced that as a, as a wider, as an Asian wide receiver. I think he talked about sometimes maybe people didn't think he was going to be the coldest guy when he stepped on the field or on the court, just because of the way that he looked. And, you know, and so I hear these stories and I see everything that coach like Cirillo Ojeda, uh, Sergio Gonzalez, another team player alum, these, these Hispanic coaches are starting the Hispanic Coaches Association, which is just growing so much. Awesome. For sure. Yeah. It is fire. They're, they're doing a, a fantastic job of growing that, of, of being true to their roots, uh, of expanding it. I mean, at, at uh, coaching school, that was the talk of coaching school. I mean, Amen. Absolutely. Had, and DeAndre, like, I think back to when I was head coach at Aldean, like our school is about 90% Hispanic. And so many of the players, after they finished, you know, they, they didn't go into coaching. They went on to do other types of careers, other industries, you know. And I didn't see a lot that were becoming coaches. But I feel like, again, people like Sergio Gonzalez, uh, you know, uh, Cirillo Ojeda, all, these, all of these coaches that are becoming head coaches now, and now they're building coaching yeah. trees. Is I think more kids are seeing, like, wow, he looks uh, like yeah, me. I he's can do that. he's from sure. where I'm from. I can do it. So I'm, I'm curious for you. I mean, did, did, did you kind of feel the same way? Like when, when you see a Mike Tomlin being just consistently one of the best coaches in the NFL. Well, like, Mike is that Tomlin? Mike Tomlin? No, yeah. it, it's not even that. Yeah, it's not even that deep. I mean, like, not not the deep, not that not that big. There's high school coach. High school what, coach. South Oak Cliff. South Oak Cliff. A dog. That was yeah. I, and I'm funny. And I love that. Um uh, uh at Duncanville, oh my God. Coach Samples. I went yeah. to work. I was supposed to work for Coach Samples. Several times. I, I love the staff that I was on and didn't pull the trigger on it. And, and my career is, is working out the way that I'm mean, in, in a good way. So I'm, I'm happy and fortunate for it. But Coach Samples at Duncanville, I, uh, Reginald Samples, he's the head coach. Dun I wanted to work with that guy. I know who that guy is. Uh, at, at, uh, at Channel View, the uh, head coach at Channel Hertz, View. Coach Hurts. 
Coach hurts. Everyone hurts. Yeah, I, I have this little idea. I, like, so, yes, I think that more so now, because I am seeing more of it, even when I go to these coaching events, because I'm really not a super social person. Like, I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm extroverted, but I'm an introverted, extroverted person. But going out to these social events uh, at coaching school, seeing more Black head coaches uh, has has 100% motivated me in a sense that I know that I can do it. And, and seeing these, not the fact that they're just Black coaches, but they're doing it their way. They're not... They're not just uh, trying to fit in the mold of, of what a head coach is. They're they're telling their story and doing it from how they want to do it. I mean, and, and you know, Coach Todd at, at South Oak Cliff um, had one conversation with him. Samples, I have his number. I could call him. Hurts, have his number. I could call him. Um, you know, seeing it is believing it, and and once you you see it and believe that you can do it, then. You know, it's, it's, it's in on you and your work, but not even knowing it's a realm of a possibility, I think is 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 the issue. But um, when you see it, uh, it becomes a reality to you and then you can accomplish anything. So 100 percent seeing uh, other uh, African-American males be head coaches, be athletic directors. I use it as as motivation, but it is uh, inspiring as well. And that I'm, I'm 30 years old and I'm I. I'm inspired by that. I can only imagine what a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids in their programs that see them going up. But like on the flip side of that, because it's not even just for black kids. And this is what uh, my time at Van Alstine when I first got out and then even at Victoria West is black coaches don't just impact black kids. You impact all the kids. Like what if if you're in Van Alstine, Texas, where the population is 99% white, yeah. And you're the only black coach on that staff or you're the only black person in that town. And those kids get a real life every day, breathing, walking, talking representation of of African-Americans as a whole. While it's it's unfair to, to judge an entire population of one person, but. With, with, with social media and, and everything that goes out there, you'll see a, a bad example. And then it's, it's quick to be like, that's your only example or your only experience that you've had of a person of that race, that whatever. You're like, oh, that's how they are. Well, that's how those people are. But if you have a real life person that, that is, that is uh, tangible, that you can see, that you can talk to, you have a, a completely different perspective. Um, and I think that that can shape that's what really could shape the, the, the country is having more experiences with different people um, and, and, and having a real experience versus based off of something you see on TV or the movies or social media portrayal. And so I think the impact of, of uh, not just the black kids that, that black coaches could have or Hispanic coaches could have, or like you said, Asian coaches could have, seeing it as, as, as all and seeing that, yo, this isn't just what this type of person does or this type of person or this type of person. It's not just a white thing to do or a black thing to do or a Hispanic thing to do. This is just coaches or coaches. I think you can get to that point once you see the, all the variety versus just seeing one carbon copy that's just remade over and over and over again. Man, I love that coach. And I, I mean, yeah, like my mind went to Mike Tomlin because he's doing it at, at the highest level, but I love what you said. Level. Like, that's great. Yeah, Mike and, and sure. he's going to impact a lot of people, but like, you're right. Like as far as face to face, 
it's these high school yeah. coaches that are that are impacting more kids than Mike Tomlin, you know? And so I just, I love everything that you said. Um, and also like, I, I know in the Hispanic coaching community, like for Tony Salazar to get that job at Austin Westlake after coach Dodge retired, that was a big deal because it wasn't something where it's just like, okay, Hispanic coaches are just taking over schools where it's all his, you know, mostly Hispanic kids. Like it's, he's no, coaching a, mostly a white program. that's extremely elite high level. And because of his, ability and his track record his resume and what he's done he got he, he earned the position and i think that's, oh, that's awesome. so it's so inspiring right and i mean i know i've i've seen situations in the past sometimes if you have an african-american student maybe that that's having an issue sometimes the pressure falls on the one black coach to come talk to that right. you know it's like that's an added burden right but like For you sure. said it's also an opportunity it, it, yeah. it, it, it's sure. a two-way street like you said man so i I really love everything you said. One more coach I want to add to your list from the Houston area. That There's so many great black coaches in the Houston area, but one that really stands out is James Williams out of Fort Bend Marshall. He's someone- Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Coach Williams, if you're watching this, I apologize. I did forget about you. My cousin, Coach Gomez, is actually a D-line coach at Fort Bend Marshall. Those, okay. those are dogs. That's a fantastic job. I didn't okay. mean to leave him off. No, yeah, I know. Um, I know, yeah, you. it wasn't a full list. You were just naming a couple, no, but it, that's – that's I'll a guy that I'll be at the Crosby up. game. I'll be at the Crosby game. That's what hey, Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my man, I love that. I love that. And Coach Williams is is the best, man. I I go on and on about him, but I've known him for a long time, being from the Fort Bend area, coaching the Fort Bend area. But he he's he's awesome. one he's one of the real ones, man. He he is incredible. The team is so well coached. And yeah, yeah. We, we could talk about this for days, but I'm gonna steer us back to kind yeah, of just more about uh, yeah. More about, about your history. So at, at Halton, you kind of described the dynamic um, as far as your, your experience kind of having a big culture shift going from Dunbar, you know, uh, out there to Halton. Halton, you said Scott Halfley was your last head coach there uh, at Halton. You played football, basketball, and ran track. So like many of our team player alums, you're a multi-sport athlete. So anything else you want to say to the Halton experience, whether it's playing the three sports or any of your coaches there that really made an impact or just anything to put a bow on your, on your Halton times? Uh, I mean, I think that with uh, with anything ups and downs um, and anybody knows the Halton area knows that um, recently they've had extreme success. Yeah. Um, I think two or three years ago, going three or four rounds deep, uh, losing to uh, Tuscaloosa, uh, Amarillo. Um, yeah. So that was dope. Yeah. My senior year, fought through some adversity. I was able to make the playoffs for the first time in like 10 years. Yeah. Um, play with some yeah. – some great players there, um, you know, uh, the Lance Dunbars of the world, uh, Reggie Wilson's of the world, Vic V, uh, who's, who's currently still in the league right now, um, made some some lasting relationships, uh, got some friends there, met up with Halfley, um, and it's, it, I guess, you know, Haltum, good and bad, but I think, I think uh, needed, and and no matter what, I mean, it's just like you can't choose your family. Uh, you don't necessarily get to choose your hometown. Um, those things are just a part of you. And Halton Buffs will always be a part of my story. And I, I, I'm not ashamed of it. I will never run from that. Um, the good and the bad. Uh, Love it. Shape me to mold me to build to what I am. So. Absolutely. Now, now, Austin College, I like to always ask this question because I was not aware of Austin College when, until I began being recruited. I'm from the Houston area. You're, you're closer. So I thought Metroplex, maybe you, you would know, but you're shaking your head no. And so tell, tell us the story. I, I want to hear how you found out about Austin College. And I also want to know, did you have, did you narrow it down to maybe a top three or, 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 or just tell me about the whole recruiting experience. And I'm curious, maybe what if some of your other last final choices were? 
right, so <laughs> this is crazy. So I was I was pretty good academically. Yeah. Um, applied to a ton of schools, got a ton of offers, right? Like I'm, I, I didn't just say, oh, this is the school I'm going to get into because I know I'm going to get into school. Yeah. I didn't know how that was going to work. Yeah. So me and my mom applied to every school. The only school I got put on the waiting list was Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. When I got accepted to Texas, it was in my head, I'm going to Texas. Okay. I'm not, not going to play sports. I'm not yeah. um, that type of athlete where I could play Division One. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go to Texas. Um, and then my, my second choice, uh, if I like didn't want to go to Texas, was gonna I was going to go to Pittsburgh. Pitt and State? when my mom found out. Like, Pittsburgh uh, and Pennsylvania or Pitt State and Kansas? No, Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania. Okay. Wow. Okay. What, what's the connection? Just uh, just to do something different? Or? No, it was it's it's from NCAA. My friend said, <laughs> you a Larry Fitzgerald fan? Uh, <laughs> I love I love the snow, man. I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, when my mom found out about that, she was like, oh hell no, you're not going there. <laughs> and, and and truthfully, she was against uh, me going to Texas because okay. it was two and a half hours away. You gotta stand like my entire life, but never been that far away from my mom ever. Right. Like when right. we lived in the Halton area and I would go back to Fort Worth, um, you know, with cousins, yeah. uncle, it was 30 minutes at the at the most. And uh she actually was like, uh, what about Austin College? Yeah. Knowing that I wanted to go to Texas, yeah, which is in Austin, Texas, yeah, she threw in Austin College. And um, I was like, Well, what's the perks of that? I can just go to I can go to Texas. She's like, um, it's a smaller school. Yeah, uh, you'll be one on one, highly academic. Uh, you you can play football, yada yada yada, and um, they have a their pre med rates are are, are really good. Because um, I was gonna go to school to be a pharmacist, I ended up majoring in chemistry, so that's what really sold it. And then uh, when we go visit, I'm not very good with directions. Or whatever, I get in a car, and I, I really I have a condition where I get into a car, I go to sleep five minutes into the ride. Okay, right? So yeah. Getting in the car, um, we're going to Austin College. In my head, no we're way. Going to Austin. <laughs> no way. Get out of here. You tell- <laughs> we'll go five minutes. We pull up, and she wakes me up, and we're we're on the campus or whatever. Um, and I'm not looking around, but I, I've been to Austin before. Yeah. This does not look like Austin. And uh, I, I go into a class, or whatever. Da 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 da. Go through all that, and it was in. Um, where they were meeting with the recruits where they're like, uh, yeah, this is Austin College of Sherman, Texas. Sherman. Sherman's Sherman. Yeah. Sherman next to I'm Googling it at this point in time. I'm like, pull it up on the map. I'm like, oh no, this is not it. But my mom is just like so in love with everything Austin College. She yeah. fell in love with Austin College way before I did. Yeah. And uh honestly, that was it. I mean, if 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 Mama loved it, then it is what it is. I mean, very much a mama's boy, uh, whether it was my choice or not. And so uh that's too it funny, was DeAndre. It, my mom's the exact same way. And as it is it, your story just reminds me so much. My mom loves Austin College, man. And she it was the exact same thing. So um, you know, again, black or Japanese. Again, there's there's like a lot of more similarities, you know, than we think. Sure. You know, so yeah, that's that's just too funny, man. Um, but yeah, great, great, great story there. Hilarious story about you thinking it was still in Austin, which we all thought at the beginning. Right. But I love that you I actually were going on your recruiting trip and you thought you're going to Austin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But man, hey, great stuff there. And you know, you were a, a four-year starter, you know, for the kangaroo football team, you're an all SCAC performer. 
And so just kind of describe, I know, I know you said you've already talked about your, your close relationship, coach Woolrick, you know, your DB coach and coach Dawson, the head coach, uh, he was a defensive coordinator when I was a player. So I definitely know coach Dawson. Well, uh, excellent defensive mind, great coach, great person. Uh, he's getting, he's really into CrossFit now. I mean, he's fit. I'm, I'm seeing it on Facebook now. Yeah, I'm loving what he's doing. I'm, I like CrossFit too. So um, just, just describe to us your, your Austin college experience. Um, up and down, but the, 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 the one thing I will say about Austin college is my best friends came from Austin college. Amen. Marcus Gomez, yeah. you know, was my cousin, Chris Hickson was more like a brother, Shane Hodge, more like a brother, the, the, the younger guys after me. I mean, these are dudes that I, uh, Kenneth Ina, uh, Charles Ina, Jerry Johnson. These are, I'm just not naming just teammates, right? Like yeah. I had great teammates in, um, you know, Scotty Loy, Greg Harold. I mean, I could, I could go Noah Jesco, Trey Stewart. Yeah. Those are, those are play. I could name all the guys on my teams, but like those, those first guys, the, the Hodges yeah. that I have, the Enas that I have, the Gomez, the Hickson. I talk to these dudes every single day. That's there awesome. is not one day that goes by that I don't talk to those dudes. Um, and they all play football, but even, even the, the other, uh, athletes that in different sports, um, Austin Brewster, uh, Kevin Graham, uh, Antoine Thompson, Ransom Akpala. And these are dudes that are, 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 are a part of my brotherhood for life and that they are um, expanding their own individual brands, becoming head coaches, owning gyms. Like these guys are, are, are amazing. Um, and, and you talk about motivating, uh, inspirations of, of guys my age, some guys a little older, some guys a little younger. Um, I am forever in depth uh, or in debt to Austin College for those relationships and those bonds with those guys. So like with the school in general, the ups and downs, the goods, the bads, whatever, at the end of the day, the people, and I heard this, you know, a lot whenever um, at the ceremony, the people at Austin College is what makes Austin College, Austin College. I mean, you go to a big university like Texas, it's easy to get lost in the sauce. There's a whole lot going on. Da, 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 da. I'm not sure those people stay connected or even know what's going on in each other's lives. And these are people that I talk to literally on a daily basis for for hours about different things text message video games phone calls video chats they're probably gonna get this uh podcast and, and make fun of how i looked in at the fact that i wore a bucket hat because my hair is not cut and all this other stuff <laughs> it's gonna be uh i mean that's it's 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 been more so about the the people in the relationships on the brotherhoods and the bonds um that that may Austin cause the experience that something i can never replace no, nor would I ever want to replace. So. Man, coach, you know, this is so funny. It's just, I've had so many Austin college guests on here and they range from all ages. I've had as young in, in mid twenties with Ben Moran, you know, um, Ben Moran, Sean Brogan. Th those are two guys that I know. I think they, you coached them maybe for a year while you were a GA, I believe you kind of crossed paths a little bit there. All of them. Talk, I've had Keith Johnston who played football for Austin college in the sixties. He's over 70 years old. And it's just uh, Carlos Longoria, another older Austin College alum. But whether we're 25 or 75, we all are kind of cut from that same cloth. There's just something special about Austin College, guys. That's why I love these episodes. It's just I didn't know you at all. And we're able we're, – man, I've had such a great time talking to you. I feel like we have so much in common. It's been like that every episode with Austin College, guys. And I felt the same way. I, had, I was interested in Austin College, Trinity, and Texas Lutheran. 
I knew I wanted to go the D3 route. I just, I loved high school football so much. I just had, I needed it. I wanted to keep waking up at 5 a.m. and working out. That was me. That's what I wanted. my identity. And they, Trinity and Tex Lutheran had the leg up because just like you, I'm a mama's boy. Just your mom and my mom is so similar. It's too funny. Um, I wanted to stay as close as I could, but it was my visit. I just, I just knew like these, I get these dudes. Like these guys, it just feels right. Like these people. And so, yeah, the people at Austin College, man, every guest has said that, again, for whether they're 20 or, or guys that I played with, like Demarcus Harris, the head coach at Mesquite, Eric Sean, one of his assistants at Mesquite. You know, these are guys that I, I played with at Austin College, and it, they all say that they all say the same thing. So one other thing I always ask uh, DeAndre on the episodes is, did you know you were going to be a coach when you stepped onto a college campus? You already answered it for me. Y- you did not. You were going to – you uh, similar to Marvin Nash, another, another Austin College alum, uh, who's who's now at San Marcos? He want he was going to go pre med, and you were doing a similar route, you know, with the pre farm pre pharmacy route there. So, talk about that. What was it? What changed to where you you decided you, you were going to become a coach? So, it's uh, this is gonna it's gonna literally sound cheesy, um, but it's the truth. Uh, my sophomore year, I uh, doubled up in chemistry classes. I uh, shout out to Carla McCain. I took uh, analytical chemistry and organic chemistry at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to uh, couple that with an easier class. And so everybody was telling me, you know, take this uh, education class, this observation, you do it for eight weeks, mm-hmm. done data, right? So I do this observation thing, do it for eight weeks. It's a PE class, fifth graders, play games for an hour. Yeah. Easiest A of my life, loved it. Last day we, we get there um, and it's like six of us in this class. And uh, the, the kids in this class, they like are giving everybody uh, little notes, little letters. Like, thank you. You're awesome. You're cool. Enjoyed you, whatever, whatever. Well, one kid gives me like a, literally like a letter. These are like fifth graders, right? It's yeah. like a page long. Um, and essentially it's like, um, I love you. You mean so much to me. Uh, I wish that you could stay. Yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah, yeah. Like deeper stuff. I was like, what the heck, bro? I just played basketball at this right so the following day whether it was that friday or that monday um i go back to school and i'm gonna have lunch with this kid i was like yo man you wrote you wrote all this stuff like what was that about and then he says and this is as innocent as could be it's a little black kid Mm -hmm. he says you're the first coach that looks like me wow and when he says that it kind of just took me by storm i'm on the way back to the campus yeah and i'm thinking at that point in time I'm thinking about every coach I had had, every teacher I'd had yep. up to that point in my entire career. And like none of them were black, right? Yeah. And yeah. then Lisa Brown, I don't know if Lisa Brown was still there at Austin College when you were, but Lisa Brown, she was uh she's uh in psychology, um, which not a psych person at all. But like I remember thinking, like, I don't know what class she teaches, but I'm gonna sign up for a class. And literally it's because she was a black woman. Now sure. she is amazing and great. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Like literally one of the best teachers, professors at Austin College. But like, just for that connection, for me to feel that way, I was just like, damn. And so I was like, okay, well then I'll do it another year. So I did it another year and then had a similar experience, but this was at um, at Howe and all the kids were mostly white. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the end of the student teaching, whatever they're like, one kid is like, um, you're way different than I expected. Mm. that's also me he's just like well i thought you were gonna be essentially what he had 
um, thought African American males were like. Sure. There's none in the school, so he's right. basing it off of right. uh, athlete, rappers, actors, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's like, nah, not everybody's the same. Like you and you and Tommy aren't the same. Like you're yeah. super preppy. You're super yeah. it's not it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, it that way. And so I just kept, you know, piece by piece, um, feeding into it. But I said if I was gonna be a coach, and this is no offense to any coaches out there, but I didn't want to be the typical PE coach, health coach, history coach. Um, and I was already doing the pre-med thing. Um, and so majoring in chemistry, um, I just thought that would be pretty badass to, to be an African-American teacher, coach that does chemistry. Wow. I and love so, it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Man. Uh, that's when, that, yeah. that's what, for me. I wasn't just going to teach to teach. I'm going to teach and I was going to coach. And I mean, football has always been a passion. Basketball has always been a passion. Uh, weightlifting has not been a passion. Hey, okay. You know, that and then you know, that's, that's so good. Austin College principles, man. Man, I love it. Approach. I love it. I love that story you told at Hal DeAndre. You know that kid saying, I, "You're not what I thought you'd be like," because all he's doing is consuming media portrayals of African American men. You know, <laughs> so, can't, be, can't be mad at a kid for that, right? Like, yeah. And that's that kind he doesn't of have access. To, he doesn't have access to diversity. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's having the understanding and having some perspective. Which me in my younger days, I'm like super offended by that, and I'm wanting to fight this dude. But as I got older, I'm like, I, you know what? I, I'm trying to see it from yeah. your side. There I you can go. understand why you don't know any better or wouldn't think anything different. And yeah. and but that experience, I'm like, okay, this is way more. Uh, powerful than 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 just making money, which, but I love money. Uh, I yeah, want to sure. make a, a ton of money, but I mean, having the uh, having that that influence to be able to uh, create a better America. Like we can complain about where our country is at, um, about the state that it's in. But like, what are we doing to to alleviate those problems? And I feel like teachers and coaches have a have a not a responsibility but have a chance every day an opportunity every day to make the world a better place in the sense of um continuity respecting different uh, opinions but but finding a way to compromise and work together i i mean i this has been a this is really we've we've talked about we've touched on some things i didn't know we're going to talk about and i'm loving this episode yeah you know and uh that that's the power of diversity though you know, when I when we do yeah. see the conflicts and the big misunderstandings in society, a lot of times I think maybe some of those individuals aren't don't have access to diversity. And so th- there's so much um, distrust of the unknown. And maybe, you know, they've not been able to, to formulate these, these have these opportunities to, to have meaningful interactions with people of opposite races. And so, you know, you, distrust happens and just like this, is what you described. So I, I'm just so happy that that you're taking the, this mindset and you're out there, you know, you're 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 on the ground helping helping you know helping just just uh the next generation so th- this is this has been really awesome and, and the reason i bring up that you're doing the pharmacy first for listeners that that are thinking about coaching but they're like well let's say you're, you're 10 years into doing a different job you're like oh I'm, I'm too far behind i can't do it that's not true i've had so many of these coaches that are winning awards and the, the leaders in the industry that that we're going to do something else and they've, they've been able to transition so that's why i always bring it up and so again deandre the stats are pretty incredible now with with your with your saying no you didn't you did not think you're going to coach at first 71 percent of my guests were in college thinking they were going to do something other than coaching 
and I have the best coaches in the state and the country coming on this show. 71% of them thought they're doing something. It just shows it's never too late. That That's why sure. I like to highlight that fact. Okay. So now, you know, you know, you want to coach, you've mentioned you, you had some stops at Howe and Van Alstine, I imagine kind of in your teaching program, but as far as your coaching career, you listed South Hills high school for one year, Victoria West high school for five years, Rob's and now you're at Robstown early college high school and you're in your second year. So we don't need to go through every single one, but just fr from your various stops, any little things that, that you want to point out or highlight or, or things that you think the listeners would enjoy hearing? Uh, the fact that I'm a, a forward dude uh, through and through. Um, was there at first, didn't stay, wasn't afraid to branch out. I think that uh, going into different areas where you're not comfortable is what will push you to become a better person. And uh, if you feel like you're hella confident and, and hella motivated, then push yourself to step outside of your comfortability and uh, push yourself to, to grow. And uh, my trip to Victoria allowed me to, to grow and to, to mold and, and be molded into the coach I am today. And then here at Robstown, I was able to formulate a plan of action in Robstown or uh, in Victoria of what I would do if, if I were in a, in a higher position. And in Robstown, I'm getting the opportunity being in a higher position of, of putting that plan to action. And so, yeah, go for it. I got to ask, how's your mom doing? Because if she couldn't tolerate uh, you going more than 40 minutes away from college, how's she handling where you're at now? <laughs> she does not like it. She does not like it. Um, big football fan does not like – she's she's probably happy if we don't make the playoffs because then I'll be home for Thanksgiving. Um, but if we do, then she's like, mm. So, But as long as the airport is near, she, she's good. Um, she doesn't pay for the – We may need to have her move down there into the van. <laughs> Could be a could be a thing. I mean, she's I don't know. Yeah. The question I have though is, you know, since you were such a, you know, you you really never left the Metroplex area for such a, a large portion of your life. What led you to take the leap of faith to head way down south into the valley of Texas to start your what 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 what, what led to that decision? I wanted growth. I yeah. wanted I wanted I wanted to to be a better. I didn't a better coach, be a better person. Um, and I didn't feel, and this is not to, to, to throw anybody under the bus or drag anybody in the mud, but that South Hill stop was, was not, it just, it was not enough. And, sure. and, and part of it is because I, I lived in Fort Worth. Yeah. I grew up there. I, I knew, I navigated through the city. I knew what was this, what was that. And so I was, I was comfortable, but so many times when you're, when you are in your comfort zone and you're comfortable, you don't give yourself opportunity for growth. And so took a lot of interviews and was looking for an opportunity to grow, but I'm a vibes person. I'm an energy person. And Courtney Boyce, the, the head coach at Victoria West, um, stayed on me uh, whenever uh, I had applied and ultimately got me to drive the six hours down to Victoria. Um, vibes was good. Energy was good. Great mentor. Look up to him. Um, he helped me, uh, with my career tremendously. Like I owe a lot of my success that I have now, the, the certain mindset I have to, to his leadership um, that I model a lot of my leadership uh, after. So what led me to leaving, uh, wanting to grow, wanting to become a better person um, and, and, and experience different in diversity. And Robstown Early College, that's kind of, you're in the Corpus Christi area, correct? You're kind right. of west outside of the city there. 
And, you know, you won the state championship there uh, in powerlifting, like we talked about. You're, you are now, you're our fourth coach in Team Player Podcast history that has won a championship uh, as a coach that has a ring. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. So episode 13, Kevin Swift uh, won it in football. Wow. There it is. And, oh, wow. Dang. Go. Man, I need my sunglasses, coach. You blinded me with that no. ring. <laughs> It's got it's yeah. got the it's got the Robstown R, which kind of looks like an Alabama font of R. It looks it, yeah. brilliant. It just really pops there if that red. Yep, I love it. There it is, Robstown. He's he's showing the ring now. Unfortunately, we don't we don't have video uh, for this. Oh. but I, I, I'm narrating it for you. He's got the ring. Well, maybe we could put it on Twitter a picture just of the ring. But you're our fourth one. The first was no, episode 13. Kevin Swift uh, from Oregon. We got a coach from Oregon there. One is a one in football. Pat Abernathy, an older Austin College alum, he won in uh, Boulder, Colorado for rugby. And then my last two have both been powerlifting. Episode 33, Zane Brown. He's now the defensive coordinator at Cy Springs High School in Houston. When he was at Beeville, he won boys and girls powerlifting. So he he, he got the oh. sweep. No, no, no shade on what yeah. you did. You, you have the girls. but And now we have you with, with the, the girls winning the state championship at Robstown. So my, I have four guests out of, out of 38 that have, that have brought home uh, the hardware, but talk to me about powerlifting coach. I think a lot of my listeners don't maybe know powerlifting as much. When I was in high school in Fort Bend ISD, where I grew up, we didn't have powerlifting wasn't even a thing. So for those of us that, that don't know, just, just give us, give us kind of an overview of what powerlifting is and, and, and what you, what you, what you've taken away from coaching it. So um, first of all, powerlifting it's, it's based off of three lifts. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the three lifts, you, you start off with squat, then you go to bench press, then you go to deadlift, mm -hmm. right? It's those three lifts and you're combining your total weight um, and it's separated in weight divisions. And then as far as how the scoring goes in, in, in terms of team is a similar to track. You know, first place gives you seventh points, mm -hmm. second place you get five, third, three, fourth, two, fifth, one, right? So um, that's like the scoring side of it. The, the coaching side of it, um, so it's, it's weightlifting, right? But it's it's weightlifting with the with the lights, with the with the with the attention. I mean, it's it's rocking and it's competitive. I mean, you're mm -hmm. competing with people in your weight class. You're seeing their weights, your weights. You get three attempts at every weight, and uh, there's some gamemanship with the coaches. Um, you know, as far as bumping your kids up at the last mm -hmm. minute or um, trying to push the person behind you to do more. Than what they have that they have done uh, ever if they don't get that lift it's a failed lift or whatever right. the case may be but the the biggest piece like outside of like the gamemanship uh, the competitiveness is being able to see the growth yeah within kids i mean no matter what sport we're talking about every sport you you do weight training um in your off season i mean it's 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 the work that you put in it's what separates the people that are that are even cut out enough to even attempt to be on your team. If you, yeah. you don't make it through the offseason, you're not going to be there for the end season. And so right. just seeing the growth with these kids, finding different ways to motivate them, to keep going, to push past their limits, to, to say that this is the goal, accomplish that goal, then keep them motivated to accomplish the next goal. I just feel like it's so much um, a, so much of a, of, a, of a parallel with life, right? Like, you know, your, your, your goal when you're in high school is maybe to get an A in this class. You get an A in that class. Then it's like, okay, to get all A's. You get all A's. 
Now it's to be in the top 10%. You get in the top 10%. Now it's to be number one. All right, you're number one. You graduate high school. Now it's to go to college. College, you do the same thing. After graduating college, it's to work this job. You get that job. Now it's to continue to move up that ladder. So it's like um, a continued process of a never-ending journey. And that's what the powerlifting is like. You you can do football for four years, and then after it's done, some will go on to play, some won't. But even then, four years later, you're not doing that same thing. As far as lifting weights, yeah. being able to maximize what you do and pushing past your limits, you get to do that for the expansion of your life. Yeah, you can. You can. There is no oh he's faster. There is no oh he's stronger. You're, it's it's a battle within yourself, within yourself to push past your limits, to push past your accomplishments, your goals. It's such a self uh, sport, and the challenge is to, to get out of self uh, all the time and, and turn it into a team. And I feel like that's what we've done here at Robsound. I mean, these kids push themselves, but they also get pushed by their teammates, and they get that same energy uh, opposite. So at the, at the girls meet, um, we have four guys there that, that actually did the rapping for them and, and are just as much motivators as, as I am. We, we've built a culture that has, um, in, in Robstown America, the culture that we're building <laughs> is the sports going back to back to back to back off of each other, keeping that energy, continuing to feed. Um, and that's something that we've been able to do here. So man, I love that. And, yeah, no, I, I love that coach. And, you're talking about making it into a team sport. I remember when I was in track and I threw the shot, like I, I, I wanted to go place and medal so I could come back to my coach and say, Hey coach, I, I got second in shot or, you know, get those points. Uh, Sean Brogan, you know, who, who, you know, for, uh, was at Austin college with you. He joined this, he ended up joining the swimming team. He finished on the swimming team. He was a sprinter on the swim team. He saw that, that in the, I forget the, the mile or two mile swimming event that there was only like four people entered in it. And so he realized, well, coach, if I enter this and I just finish, I'm going to get the team points. And he did it. Even though he's a sprinter, he, he sacrificed and did a distance event just to get those points. So that, I just, I, I love that. I love kind of that uh, melding an individual sport, but, but having those team concepts, it sounds like, you know, you're doing that. And I remember when I was at Austin college, uh, Hassan Farid was one of our linebackers that was a great power lifter. And he would still do some powerlifting stuff, you know, in the weight room. I, I remember those suits, man. I, yeah they're incredibly tight, man. I, I was never a power lifter. I mean, I was, I love lifting and, but I, I never got into power lifting, but I'd always remember that. And I remember seeing coaches just like slapping people on the ribs before they're about to hit, hit bench. What, 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 what's, what's the thought process behind that? What does that do? So um, really it's just to get that, that adrenaline, adrenaline going in. And yeah. yeah, you just find what gets your kids going. We don't, we, I don't slap them. We, yeah. we two claps in a Ric Flair. So, uh, <laughs> but we're loud Love prior it. to the meet. So yeah. then all eyes are on us, even when people are warming up. We huddle up, we, we get together, we get our clap going, we're loud, we're exposed. We do that. And basically we're saying that we're the pressure. Yeah. Like the it. lights on us don't, 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 don't bother us. Us lifting here doesn't bother us. So, so there's, there's, there's some people that, you know, say that they can lift 500 pounds, then they can do it. Their home gym, they lift 500 pounds. It's different when everybody in the room is looking at you. Right. And you hold under that pressure. And so we just get into that mode of, we don't fold with that. We want that um, and, and we're ready for it. And it's, it's just about motivating. You find whatever ways 
uh, you need to motivate your 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 kids to get going. And so that's what that's about for sure, for sure. I remember freshman year when I fit in high school and I finished football, it kind of, I didn't even realize I was going to be signed up for the track team. It was kind of a non-optional and I, be, that's how I became a thrower. And uh, I'm curious for you, how does it, where do you gain most of your athletes from? Is it something where, you know, you, you, people are expected that, that powerlifting is kind of the, the lifting component of your off season, or do you get people from all different sports? Or I'm curious about that. Like who, who are you competing okay. with? amongst the other sports for your athletes what's the makeup of your team and and how does it fit in with your off season for football so uh this this year being our being our first year here True. yeah first new, year. yeah uh, essentially we took all of our linebackers and uh o-line d-line guys and we didn't force anybody to do anything we we, we suggested sure very hard <laughs> yeah, and, <I> um <laughs> they would do powerlifting but um our numbers blossomed on the boys' side and the girls' side. And I don't think it's – it's. I think it's about kids want to be coached hard. Yeah. They want they want a coach that is going to be there for them. They want a coach that's going to that's gonna be structured, a coach that's going to hold them to expectations. As, as, as upset as they get whenever you do hold them to those expectations, they want it. I think – us in, in, in this country, we want structure anyway. Yeah. And so I think the kids found out the powerlifting staff, there was a whole lot of, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do that. And started off with, you know, 120 kids, right? Um, wow. And the numbers went down, yeah. but it was still way more Incredible. than it had ever been. Before. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not that we made it easy, but we, we gave them a certain energy told them that was only a certain energy that was going to be accepted, held them to those expectations. And so for some of them where it was like a leisure sport, they mm. felt like, oh, this is this is a serious thing. I'm yeah. a part of this. And again, creating that team atmosphere um, and that accountability to, to where they own it and this is ours and, and having a certain standard um, helped it as well. I mean, we play music in the weight room. We uh, we have breakfast days where we bring them breakfast. Um, but it's a, uh, it's, it's just a culture, and you know, you talk about offseason. It's just, it's just, it's, it's become a part of our culture, and in terms of like, you know, competing with other sports, here at Robstown, we 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 encourage our, our athletes to play multiple sports, and everybody says it, right? Like every coach in the world will say that they want their kids to play multiple sports, but us as coaches, are you structuring all your programs? in a way to where it allows kids to play multiple sports. So with powerlifting, we're up here at six o'clock in the morning, getting it in before other sports. So then it's not like a kid has to choose this sport over that sport. It Love was, it. okay, I'll do more sports. I'll do this in the morning. And then during the athletic period, I'll do what I got to do after school. I'll do what I got to do. Um, and then the competitions are on Saturday. So if you're a softball, baseball, track kid, your Saturdays aren't mixed and aren't intertwined. And so uh, I think if, you, if you're going to preach multi-sport athletes, then uh, how you structure things within your programs has to also show that and, and give those kids the opportunity to do both and not have to choose. And it takes great coaches. It takes great coaches that are actually going to put the kids' best interests at first. And it sounds like you have that working relationship with all the coaches on your campus. Cause that becomes, I remember when I, when I was a, a AD, you know, at, at uh, Aldine, when I was head football coach, campus athletic coordinator, that, that was a 
that was an issue that we tip that we had to often resolve is the sharing of athletes, right? Sharing of facilities and then sharing of athletes. You know, those are two, those right. are two big ones. And so a lot of times coaches are not comfortable allowing that they still, they may steer their kids towards trying to do one thing or another. So I just love how you, you've melded it in there to where your powerlifting it's enhancing them. It's, it's allowing them to compete at a high level, but it's enhancing what they're doing in other sports too. So yeah. awesome. And then, you, you recently won the award that we talked about. You're the 2022 Austin College uh, Coach of the Year. You got to take the trip way back up north uh, to Sherman. And I got to see the great photos of you and David Norman. And we probably had about eight, eight guests on this show from Austin College, or maybe six, seven, eight, eight guests. And every single one of them, myself included, just loves Coach Norman, gushes over Coach Norman. We all have Coach Norman stories. We have Coach Norman-isms, little funny things he would say. And so I, I, he's just one of those guys that, that, that is just great for kids and great for people and, and is just a, a, a people person. We all gravitate towards him. Tell us your Coach Norman memories. Do you have any funny little one-liners that he would use yeah. or any funny memories yeah. from Coach Norman? For sure, man. Coach Norman's, Coach Norman's my dude, man. He's, yeah. he's my dude. Um, saw him before the event. Uh, I've had conversations with him before. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he alluded to it uh, uh, at the – before the award. Um, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't drink until I was 21. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Norman doesn't, doesn't know that I don't drink or whatever like that. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we're, uh, up at, um, I'm representing Austin college for at the NCAA convention in uh, Indianapolis. And, uh, I ended up giving uh, a speech or something. Everybody clapped. It was like a big deal or whatever. And uh, Norman was like, yeah, we're going to the bar right after this. I'm going to get you a beer. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I don't do beer. He's like, you don't do beer? That's okay, man. We'll get you We'll get you a, a wine. I was like, nah, <laughs> I don't do wine. He was like, well, hell, what, what do you drink? Do you, do you drink water? I was like, I really don't like water. He was like, oh, this is probably not as good as you could be because you don't put that in your body. And so he just always teases me now about, uh, he texted me, he was like, you know, we're gonna. There's an after party, or whatever. He's like, but you don't have to drink if you don't want to. I'm like, Norman, I, I drink. I just don't like beer. I'm, I'm a vodka sprite guy. He's like, hey, I know. Dude, I'm just, yeah, blah 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 blah. So it's like a running joke now, of uh, of, of that time. But Norman has been, he's, he's he's a good dude. Really, 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 really good dude. Um, and somebody mentioned it before. It's like every time you talk to Norman, he makes you feel like you're the most important person. Yeah at that moment in that time and like nothing else matters to him but yeah no probably the best guy at austin college honestly amen amen L love the coach norman stories and um yeah every every guest now i i just did did the math you're our eighth austin college guest eight for eight eight for eight loves <laughs> coach norman you know tells tells great stories and so yeah so shout out uh to coach norman now we're kind of getting towards the end of the show uh, coach, and I appreciate you joining me on, you know, in a little break during your, during your workday today. Um, the reason I started this podcast, I've, I've talked to you about is because I, I mean, I love coaches and whenever I see parents doing what I think is questionable behavior, it just, it really gets to me, man. It really irritates me. So my, my question for you is wh whenever parents yell stuff from the stands and question playing time or question play calling or question the knowledge of coaches. Like, I think that they're taken away from their kids' athletic experience, in my opinion. I know it comes from a place of love and they think they're trying to protect their kids and, and do what's best for them, but I think it takes away personally. And so I'm just curious for you, as someone who's, who's coaching at such a high level, what advice would you give to parents 
if you if a parent's listening to this podcast, what advice would you give to a parent to allow their kid to have the best possible high school athletic experience? Time and place is everything. So during Love the game, you you upset the coach, sit down and shut up, and and get with that coach, send him an email or whatever about you want to voice your concerns or whatever the case may be. Um, I get uh, us all wanting to fight for our kids. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to do the same, but time and a place. Uh, at at a ball game, right after a ball game, not the time and the place. And then the other thing I would suggest parents to do is to check yourself in the sense of your kid's been at practice, all the practices, the kid was at all the summer workouts. If that's no to any of those things of what all the other kids or all the uh, other uh, things that could have enhanced that uh, kid's ability to be on that field, to be on that court, then you're probably barking up the wrong tree. Now, if your kid is there every day, Da, 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 this and that. It may just be that your kid isn't athletic enough, um, or doesn't give the team the best chance to win. And but having that conversation, I think that coach will be more than willing to to have that conversation with you. If you're a parent and you want to do it right after a game, nobody wants to talk to you right after a game. Win or loss, if it's a win, they're celebrating and enjoying that. If it's a loss, thinking about they're trying to reflect, not needing that extra. But if your kid has has missed practice, missed workouts, not been a dependable person whether it's the kid's fault or, or you yourself as a parent's fault, check yourself. So I love it. I love it. It reminds me of uh, episode 15, Quisha Dickerson, head girls basketball coach at Fort Ben Austin, my alma mater. Um, she talked to, she, I went to go listen to her at coaching school. She presented a coaching school because obviously she's just such an amazing coach. And I went to go sit in on her presentation and she said, yeah, parents will say to me, well, you never give her, you never give my daughter a chance. And she's like, every day at practice, she gets her shot. I mean, it, you're not there for all of it. You're, you're not, but I'm, I'm watching. I'm always watching practice. So I, I think that speaks to what you're saying is that it, it, playing time's earned. And at the end of the day, it's competitive, especially at the varsity level. And so just not everyone's going to get that shot. So I, I love what you say about checking yourself, you know, and, and, and being realistic, you know, with the expectations. So as far as some fun little stories that you shared with us, you've had a couple brushes of fame, so to, so to speak. You coached Tylen Wallace, uh, uh wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens when you were at South Hills High School. Uh, he went to Oklahoma State. He was a fourth-round draft pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. You played alongside Lance Dunbar at Haltom High School, three-time All-Sun Belt Conference at UNT, left as the all-time leading rusher at UNT Hall of Fame in a four-year career for the Dallas Cowboys. And then you also coached against C.D. Lamb. I've also done this. I've also coached against C.D. Lamb uh, at Foster High School, where I coached against him. And he, he of course, was a wide receiver – or he is a wide receiver for the Cowboys – standout at Oklahoma and the 17th overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. So any of those little stories you want to add uh, to any of those? Uh, Tylen Wallace is a beast and it's a grown man. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to him doing great things with the Ravens right now. Everybody knows about CD Lamb uh, and Lance Dunbar uh, probably was the most hardest working superstar athlete in high school that I've ever been around in my entire life. I love hearing that, DeAndre. Whenever, whenever I meet someone that coached somebody famous, um, like I, I actually have one of my one of my coworkers. He he played high school football with Trey Lance. You know who's the forty gonna be the forty nine ers starting quarterback this year. And I always like to ask, like, what were they like? That's always my question. What were they like as a person? Ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time, it's what you just said that they were the hardest working, most humble, best teammate, and it just goes to show the people that make it 
to the elite levels, they are just great all around human beings. And most, and I, I know there's exceptions. Don't, I, don't get me wrong, but a lot of times I hear that exact same story. And so that's just for any players listening, character and hard work matters. It, it really does. So just uh, use, uh, use Lance Dunbar as an example that it, it wasn't all just God given ability, right? I mean, it was hard work. It was dedication uh, for sure there. Now your favorite teams, as we're, we're kind of nearing the start bench cut portion, our favorite portion, we're going to put you on the hot seat coach. You're a Dallas Cowboys fan, and you're also a Golden State Warriors fan, which I didn't I didn't necessarily see that one coming. So I've, I'm in your honor. I'm wearing my uh, old Chris Mullen throwback uh, blue and yellow Warriors jersey. I collect jerseys. That's my passion and hobby. So I've always got a, a good jersey lined up to honor my guests. Our start bench cut is brought to us, as always, by our good friends at the MVP Marketing Group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. You, you'll probably know this guy being from the area. Longtime Denton Ryan head football coach Joey Florence. Now he's the AD at Denton ISD. He's a customer. He uses the MVP marketing group. He, so his testimonial is on the website. Basically what they do is they're going to help you attract corporate sponsors. So if you want to get corporate sponsors to, to sponsor your, your program, help bring in money that way, Mike Vogler, the CEO can help you with that. And it'll give you a team player podcast discount uh, if, if you decide to, to use this service. So please give, give him a call. His contact info is in the show notes. All right, here we go. So let's start here. We're going to start with them boys edition, right? For your Cowboys fandom. Start bench cut. I'm going to the backfield here. Zeke, Emmett Smith, and Daryl Moose Johnston. He's a, he's a fullback, but I also said, hey, you're, you're more of a Cowboys fan than me. If we need to make any subs, whether it's DeMarco Murray, Tony Dorsett, or whatever, you can always make a sub. But I'm asking for a start no, cut of Zeke, Emmett Smith, or Moose Johnston. No, this, this is actually an easy one. I'm uh, starting Emmett Smith. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm benching Moose, yeah. and I'm cutting Zeke. Okay, That's tell me more. I he, he's polarizing, right, amongst Cowboys fans. I want to hear your, your thoughts here. Uh, I just think that uh, I don't think he's the same. Uh, I don't think he's the same back. I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm not a huge fan of Ohio State, so maybe there's some bias Me in there. I'm with you. I'm a Michigan fan, uh, so. <laughs> but uh, I just think that, uh, like right now, I think there's a there's a question about who's the best back on the Cowboys team. Tony Pollard, uh, yeah. Pollard. I don't think that's ever been a question with Emmitt Smith. I mean, look at his numbers. No longevity doubt. there. Yeah. Moose is, is a dog and I like dogs. So I love it. That was an easy one. That, that was a that was a warm-up. And really in Cowboys, sometimes it's kind of easy because you, you have some superstars from, from those uh championship teams. But let's go to the pass catchers. Michael Irvin, Des Bryant, Jason Witten. And I, I put in there if you want to make sub, you want to go Terrell Owens or Drew Pearson or even CeeDee Lamb or whoever you want to put in there. But I'm I'm asking for your, your start bench cut or your, your pass catchers. Um Going to put in a sub there, I'm going to okay. put in Terrell Owens. Okay, I believe he's the greatest of all time. So I'm going to start Terrell Owens. Okay, here uh, we go. I'm going to bench Michael Irvin. Okay. And I'm going to cut Des Bryant. I left Jason Witten off because he's a tight end. I'm with you. But yeah. Bench cut right so, yeah, I, I was really glad that you did that because talk to me about Terrell Owens because usually most Cowboys fans, the playmaker, Michael Irvin, hands down, that that's going to be your start. But Talk to me. What, so a little bit of a controversial move here, a little unorthodox, but I, I like it. I like what you're saying. So talk about Terrell Owens. Well, Terrell Owens, I think he gets a bad rap first off. Um, I think that his stat-wise, there's no question that he's a, a top three, if not a top one uh, receiver in NFL history. Um, he gets a bad rap. People says that he's a bad teammate um, and, and a problem child. I think he is a very passionate person um, that wants to win. Um, and when I think of problems or issues, I think about off the field allegations, off the 
field, drugs, police, anything like that. Terrell Owens never in his career had any blemishes on his record there. Um, he held, tried to hold his teammates accountable. And if he played the quarterback position, uh, everybody would have said that he was a great leader. Um, it's the fact that he was a receiver, wanting the ball, wanting people to do their jobs, the, the issue they took with him. I think he gets a bad rap, but unquestionably a top three receiver in uh, NFL history. I love it. That, that's great analysis, you know, and the whole thing of the Hall of Fame and kind of getting snubbed there for a little bit and not kissing the ring, so to speak, of, of, of all the Hall of Fame. And I think that that rubbed people the wrong way, right? I mean, sports writers included. And sometimes I think those guys hold grudges and they're kind of the keys uh, to letting guys in the Hall of Fame. So I, I totally understand that. And, and the fact that when he was a 49er and he, he, he kind of did the, the, the dance on the star, you're, that's all forgiven, yeah. I take it, because of what? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, uh, it's entertaining. It's, uh, yeah. it's entertaining. No, so like, like, what are we talking about? Um, people celebrate, and and you like those celebrations until it's against you. Sure. So yeah, he goes and does that on a star, and then Cowboy fans hate him. People come to the Dallas Cowboy, and every touchdown fan they love him again. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco loved him when he was there. When he wasn't, they didn't. The Eagles loved him when he was there. Yeah. Um, that's a part of it's a part of sports. All right, moving to the defensive side. And it's a little tough here, different positions, but we're just having fun with it. So ranking some defenders here. And again, you can make subs at any time, but I have Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Demarcus Ware, and Darren Woodson is a guy from my childhood that I just have such great memories of, this, this hard-hitting safety there. So Deion Sanders, I know you're a hard-hitting safety. So Deion Sanders, Demarcus Ware, Darren Woodson, start bench cut. I'm going to start, and this is actually going to be tough, because when you first said Deion, I was starting Deion. But Darren Woodson is actually my uh, – all-time favorite Dallas Cowboy, board number it. 28. I'm with, I'm with you, yeah. I'm starting Darren Woodson. I'm benching Dion and DeMarcus Sawyer's got to get cut. Hey, yeah. <laughs> like he said it quietly because he was he was a dude for sure. But these are yeah. tough. I mean, you, you really can't win in these. Now, let's go a little basketball. Let's do a fun throwback TMC edition. I, I, I don't know how far back your, your fandom stretched. I got to keep reminding myself I'm eight years older than you are. But for me, I remember the run TMC Warriors. So that was Tim Hardaway. Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond. So I'm curious your opinion there amongst those three studs. Well, who would be your start bench cut? Um, starting Tim Hardaway. Okay. Um, I mentioned Mullins. And I mean, if we're going, if we're, I mean, I don't know how, how far back. I really, I really like, uh, these are my favorite Warriors. My favorite are current Warriors are my favorite Warriors, but yeah. past Warriors is the the Baron Davis, Jason Richardson, the Steven I believe Jackson. teams, the I believe teams. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 See, it's a little bit of a generation difference of you and me, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I like it, man. Um, and how did you get into the Warriors? Was it just? Um. So I um I was a Mavericks fan for a minute. But I'm like, I, I start to question my fandom on if I'm fans of these teams because I'm from there or if it's because I really like them. Right. And so when I got into really thinking about, like, who I really liked and who was uh, similar to me and my style, again, that's when Baron Davis, Steven Jackson, yeah. um, and Jason Richardson were there. Um, and they just were cut different. Like, they were more yeah. gritty yeah. guys. And I feel like I'm a, a gritty type guy. And so I love that's it. where it started with. I love that. I love that you you're not a guy that just jumped onto the current Warriors bandwagon. It was the we the we believe teams is that what right. what, what got you going there? Because 
Didn't they upset the Mavs, right? It was the Mavs that they upset. Over the eight seed and eight, the eight, eight versus one. That's right. All right, so let's go into the modern dubs here. Let's let's get your thoughts here. Your modern, your big three: Steph, Clay, Draymond. Start Easy. bench cut. Starting Steph. I'm benching Clay. I'm cutting Draymond, and I love Draymond. Yeah, uh, Steph and Clay. They're the ones that make that thing go. No doubt. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Now, I I think I I, kind of want to throw Steph against some great point guards from the from your your Mavs teams because you were a Mavs fan at one point. I'm I'm sure you were a fan of these guys, but I want to go start bench cut at the point guard position. Steph, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash. Starting Curry. Yeah. Ooh. Nash and 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 Nick at night was crazy. Nash yeah. with Dirk was crazy. Yeah. Jason King is crazy. Uh I'm gonna start Curry. I'm a bench Jason Kidd because so far he's had a better head coaching career than hey, Steve. Hey, I like the way you went with it. Okay. You got Kevin Durant saying he wants Nash out of there now. So I mean <laughs> Nash Nash Kevin is Durant tender in Brooklyn. Make- May come to an end. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So now I just want to gauge some some current guys against Steph. Just get get your pulse here. Steph, Chris Paul, Luca. Now your current Mavs superstar. So Steph, Chris Paul, and Luca. Start bench cut. I am probably the biggest hater of Luca Doncic. Okay, okay. This is a new take. I'd heard this one too. I don't want to hear this. Hater of Luca. So I'm cutting him. Okay. I'm starting Steph Chris Paul. What's what's the what's the what's the 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 source of the hate? I'm just curious. I think that uh, well, it comes from two sources. I ain't gonna say the second one. The first source, I think he's the biggest baby in the league. I think he is the biggest baby in the league. But uh, but uh, but an uh, ultra talent. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's yeah, yeah. a question. But I think he is the biggest baby. They're all crap babies. I think he's the biggest baby in the league. All right, so the last one I went with Chris Paul, more of a traditional point guard style to compare against Steph. But now I'm going with guys that can just fill it up, fill it up. So these scoring style point guards, I got Steph, Kyrie, and Dame Lillard. Start bench cut. Starting Steph, I'm yep. benching Dame, and I'm cutting Kyrie because he's a weirdo. Kyrie I was going to say, a- I was going to, I, I, I can tell you there's a certain type of personality you like, and I had a feeling Kyrie might rub you, might rub you the wrong way. Let me ask you just your thoughts on KD. You know, your former Warrior ended up leaving. I'm just, I'm just curious. Are, are you someone that? that you feel a certain type of way about KD after he left? or well, I'm just curious your, your thoughts on KD. No, I, I honestly, I didn't feel a certain way about KD joining the Warriors. I didn't yeah. feel a, a certain way about KD leaving the Warriors. Those are the options he's had. But yeah. KD wanting to leave Brooklyn after just signing a four-year deal right. rubs me the wrong way. I'm not I with understand. that. I'm with, I'm with not you. You want to make some shake? You want to join whoever? Awesome. You just signed a brand-new contract, and then you're asking out of it right away? I'm not with that. Man, Coach, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel the exact same way. This has been a lot of fun. It's just crazy how much uh, we had in common. I really enjoyed visiting with you. Again, if you enjoyed as much as I did, please take a moment, give us that five-star review that drives us up the charts so more people can hear stories uh, like Coach Holmes' story. Hit the follow button, subscribe, and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week, every Sunday at 2 p.m. And follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. You can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. 
we lift up our own inside team player nation. So if, if you have a suggestion on a guest, or if you want to come on the show or anything at all, any feedback, hit me up on Twitter or, or email me at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. As always, the cover art and music for the team player podcast are provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr and our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach DeAndre Holmes, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Appreciate you, my dude. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, and one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, and one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, <laughs>